Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we start the chapter off, chapter 0008, Waking Up from a Nightmare. And as this chapter ends up, we're really just going from one nightmare to another. So, you know, he, he wakes up to to the alarm on, what is it, his phone? The same phone that was used in Ferris Bueller? The, yeah, it's Cameron Fry's telephone. Cameron uh, was in Egypt then. Let my Cameron, my Cameron go. go. Yeah, no, pre- pretty sweet setup when he's got that and he's got that Martin McFly clock. Yeah. You know, like, that's kind of awesome. Well, you know, shit, when you have that much money, you know, what you can't what buy, else? you can have someone make. What else are you going to spend all that money on? Exactly. You know, surround yourself with these sorts of things. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like my addiction to Amazon products. So he wakes up to the phone, which he doesn't normally do, because as it states in the book, the only time when his phone is set to wake him is when it's important, when it's one of the high five or when it's Miles. Is it Miles? Faisal. Faisal. Sorry. When it's Faisal. Coming into this chapter, you're pretty much smacked in the face. Like, I'm, I'm almost, uh, it, it, again, just kind of struck. By the fact that, you know, immediately we wake up to Ogden Morrow missing. Like, we didn't just go from this horrible dream where he makes the decision to just shut down over the Oasis and bad things happen. And and his entire world comes crumbling down on top of him. It's shitty enough to roll out of bed from something like that. But to wake up to the fact that Ogden Morrow is now missing. His jet is gone. His phone's been turned off. His home security's been deactivated. All of his sentries have been turned off. And and you weren't kidding. The last chapter, the last episode we talked about, you said this one would pick up. And I, I got a bit of a confession to make because it most certainly did pick up. And uh oh. And I may have missed the fact that that the names of the additional chapters had come up as oh. I was listening. So oh. I did listen ahead about three or four chapters. The condom broke. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I couldn't pull out. <laughs> it was just, it was too much. It was too much. 
and I and I missed it. I missed it. So I so I did read ahead. So just if you're listening, I didn't read too far ahead, but just it, it did. It ramped up. Like I, we I went got to, to chapter thirty. I didn't notice. Well, this is the flip, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> got to the the end of the book. What? I thought this was still chapter eight. Ten hours later. So. <laughs> So I do know things ahead of this chapter, just not very far ahead of this chapter. But that said, I can reflect on exactly what I was thinking during this chapter, where my head was. And, of course, that'll rationalize the reasoning for my curiosity. Because you, you were not kidding. It really did pick up in this chapter. I'm like telling it, you. We went, we went from a casual, boring Sunday stroll to, you know, just F1 racing. Just, just boom. Like that. Like we went from nightmare to foot on the pedal fast real quick. And I loved it. Like this is the chapter where, where I started to engage, like up to this point, I've been kind of like hemming and hawing and, you know, just kind of beating around and waiting for, waiting for the shoe to drop. And initially I thought, well, maybe, maybe the discovery of the crystal would be kind of where that shoe drops, but it turns out, man, that's just the catalyst for all hell breaking loose. I'm telling you, like, once you get here, you realize just how slow the previous chapters were. And like, and also how much I loved this book. Like, I, I was really concerned that I was just not going to enjoy this as much. And, you know, I, we'd already talked about this. We talked about the fact that, you know, we enjoy the author. We like his work. You know, we were going to accept whatever whatever was presented, right? Because you're really along for the ride. And if if, you know, the author has a story to tell, that's what you're in it for, regardless of the story. But, you know, up to this point, I was kind of like, you know, he's kind of turned into this asshole. He's just rich. He's not himself. In this chapter, man, it, we go to like Detective Pikachu level Wade here, right? It just automatically putting on the hat and just, you know, figuring it out. So that well. said... Go ahead. Well, let's talk about Detective Parzival, okay? Right, right. Was anyone else listening a little bit disturbed by the fact that he can just say, oh, yeah, g- give me the access code to Og's, you know, robots or whatever, his his security robots, and I'm just going to take a, a stroll, just a stroll around his his digs. Like, like no big deal. Well, you know, if Ogden was there, he wouldn't have that access, but he's gone but, and they're investigating. But who is, is Parzival other than the CEO and the of most GSS? powerful person in the world? He's not even friends with Og right now, and he gets to just stroll around because he's Parzival? Well, I don't see it as being any different than if he was there in person. He's just taking over a remote bot. But I guess the question would be would. Would Parzival what? be allowed beyond the, the yellow tape? Is what you're saying? Essentially, would, like, would the police allow uh, just anyone, even if it's Parzival, uh, allow him to stroll the property and potentially, and, and and quite frankly, interrupt potential evidence? Yeah, I I thought that was a little bit weird, just just very strange. And then uh, to top it all off, you got Faisal saying that you know GS. You know, GSS and all their ability is going to be sweeping the global sensor nets for his face, voice, retinas, fingerprints. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. Like, they, like, they kind of run the show, don't they? 
Well, I think the interesting thing there is that you've got this sort of, you've got this dystopia environment, this dystopian backstory, and you've got this sort of big brother feel to it. The only thing that keeps big brother from being negatively manipulated is in large part Parzival. But even we know that Parzival, as the story has unfolded, is not impervious to the corruption of power. Is that fair to say? Yes, that is fair to say. So, yeah, I mean, that they let him take over the the remote might be kind of a situation where where there's sort of a level of corruption where power may very well dictate involvement. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. In, you know, in, in a more ordered world like such as we live in, there might be a, a greater degree of stringent controls. But, I mean, they, he did mention, though, that they had gone in, they'd looked around, they didn't find any forced entry, anything of that sort. But, you know, that's a good point, though, because I hadn't really thought about that. They're letting him into a crime scene. What He could potentially... Yeah. Fuck, fuck with evidence. He could be looking around saying, oh, shit, my, my, my muddy footprint over there. Oof, right. Better, better clean that up. So yeah. we, do, we do go into detective mode with Parzival. And the question that, that comes to my mind at this point is, is why was, why, what, what the heck is going on here? Like, this is obviously not a coincidence. Right, Some, something goofy is is happening. Something obviously is related to him getting the first shard. Yeah, and shit went down at seven o'clock. I noticed seven. that seven o'clock. Yeah. So again, my my first thought there was that this is sus. You know, I'm kind of I'm I'm peaked right now. I'm now I'm in in Parzival detective mode with it. It happens at seven. And my first thought was, is he in competition now? It does, did Og realize that the shard had been captured and he'd be damned to let Parzival go and find the shard? So my first thought was, he goes off the grid and he's going to get online so that no one can touch him, no one can find him, and he's going to get ahead of Parzival and do this himself. My initial thought was, Og has become the villain, potentially, or, or something along those lines, right? Og, a villain, you're breaking my heart. Well, pff, well in, in comparison <laughs> to <laughs> what's going to happen, I mean, it, it, is it that unusual at this point, really? Could, you know, it's a possibility. It's a possibility because he didn't want Parzival to get the shard, and he, he even disassociated himself from Parzival as a friend. You know, disconnected, refused to talk with him. So is that is that too it's horrible not, of a motivation not, to maybe not be the villain, but be in direct competition with Parzival. I mean, I mean, that's one of his theories, isn't it? That perhaps he didn't, he want is, you know, he didn't want Parzival to find all the shards. Cause like, you know, like he, he does suggest that, that maybe he decided that that wasn't gonna, he didn't want that to happen, but, but he's found that to be somewhat unlikely. Right. You know, it's yeah. I mean, I, I mean, who I, else would have access to all of these systems? Right? Access to all these systems, not to mention all the knowledge to you know maybe find the shards. Right. Right. I mean, so everything was deactivated at seven, and at that point, though, the part that was suspicious to me was, of course, that it was at seven, because 
would Og have had the mindset to care about doing all of this at a very particular time that is within the rhyme of of the theme of the seven shards? And that, up to this the... point, that's not Og's thing. Og's thing isn't the po- poetic symbolism of, of matching shit up and having these sort of nested Easter eggs. That's a holiday thing. It's not an Og thing, at least at to, to this point, not having been demonstrated as such. Does that make sense? Because yeah. when, I, when I saw the seven, I was like, maybe this isn't Og. So the, the other thing is that like this happened right after... He found the shard, mm-hmm. so it was going to happen. At, you know, assuming it was triggered by the finding of the first shard, then like that's when it was going to happen, right? You know, a tr- the trigger was him finding the shard. So was whatever it that, I mean, like that—that's the presumption. Well, yes, and to this point, that is the presumption. You're right. Yeah, like it, 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 it's like, too close in time. Yeah, like if if he hadn't found the shard, would we? If he hadn't found the shard, would this have would, still happened? Would, would those uh, wheels been put into motion? And at this point in the story, the question is probably not. Probably, but we not. don't know. Yeah, I would definitely wasn't thinking that that there was anything else going on. That that Og's definitely a part of this in some way, maybe even pushing this. So. As as he is going through, using the little telepresence robot, he makes mention that it's a museum of memories of of Ogden Morrow and Kira, and you know the sort of tragic end that comes up, but also the fact that that he's going through the house as he's looking through and looking for clues, he's kind of going through a museum of his own memories and his own experiences with with. Were you gonna say something? Yeah, we need to talk about his hat when he puts on his hat. Wait, he put on a hat? Yes, he puts on his Magnum PI hat. Oh, no, I totally missed that. Okay, when did that happen? Right around now. While he's touring the house in the robot? I'll get to the part in a second. I totally missed the Magnum PI hat. Even in the several times that I read it and listened to it, I just flew right past that. So good pickup. Yeah, while he's looking around Og's office and library, his enormous theater, blah, blah. This is when he finds out that, according to the logs, that he had deactivated his own security system and the cameras at 7, p- 7 o'clock p.m. last night. And everything after that was a mystery. So he says, I put on my imaginary Detroit Lions ball cap and shifted my brain into Magnum PI detective mode. Right. So the so the problem with this line is that Magnum PI, we all know we all know of the show. Well, but maybe not. I'll give it a description. Did you ever watch Magnum PI? I don't This is I 80s, only, man. I'm not sure yeah, that this would So I only watched it if it happened to be on because my parents were watching it. Sure. So I my my knowledge of Tom Selleck's career kind of starts with Three Men and a Baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's unfortunate. I know, but it's it, that that's not a bad movie. But I, that's kind of where mo, my my strongest memory of his acting career in that time frame is from. But it, so the problem with the Detroit Lions ball cap is that it's not a Detroit Lions ball cap that he wears. Right. It's a Detroit Tigers baseball hat. 
not Detroit Lions. Interesting. Yeah. And this was something that was picked up on a couple of the Gunther forms that, you know, I keep an eye on. I think I just kind of read through it and just kind of didn't pay much attention to it because I'm not super familiar with uh, the ins and outs of of, uh, the Magnum PI TV show. So I I loved Magnum PI. I thought it was. It was in Hawaii, so the colors were always cool. He drove an awesome car. You know, it, the the supporting characters were funny. You had Higgins, which was kind of his his. What would this be? Sugar sidekick? Daddy? Oh. No, wasn't a sidekick. It was more like I a sugar. Again, it was a sugar I, I, don't daddy. The, I don't know the characters. So. <laughs> he had the money. Yeah, super cool though. It was a great show. It was a great sort of private investigator show. It was you know kind of cool, but also kind of loose. I, I I actually like from studying this chapter for this episode, I was like, I wonder if it's streaming anywhere for free. And no. it's not. I you think surely you, you can find episodes on, on YouTube. I don't Episodes free on YouTube are not that easy to come by anymore. There'd but be like maybe. clips or something, maybe. Well, so, and the funny thing is that I've seen a lot lately that meme of Mag, the Magnum P.I., you know, scene where how to pull it up and send it to you. I don't want to ruin it. You said it something to me. Uh, yeah, I just got to get a link. I've just seen this one a few times and what's a few of like the 80s forms that I'm on and talking about how like 80s TV, 80s detective shows rocked and why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a so, good one. So that's a good example. Yeah. So so for so for those watching on the radio, it's a meme. Yeah, exactly. It's called 80s Detective Shows Rocked. And it's a few screen grabs from Magnum PI where you see Tom Selleck kind of like looking off camera, and behind him there's a building with a nun on a ladder, presumably doing some work. And he says to himself, Nuns, Nuns don't, don't work, work on Sunday. Nuns don't work on Sunday. And then you see him on the ground shooting at the nun, and the nun falls off the ladder. Yes. Awesome. Right. So to go back to our, our museum memories, we've got, we've got moments where Parzival is going through the house, and he's also sort of touching on his relationship with Samantha and... You know, the the week hiatus there that he had with her and uh, a number of intimate moments that he shared with her there. And it's it's really not just a perusal through Og and Kira's life, but it's it's where his life intersects with them and really, really the beginning of his new life. Post based post winning the egg, right? And it's kind of going back to that moment where his life changed, which is kind of interesting because we are at a life-changing moment. Things are things are changing in in coincidence with this, in time with the situation. So that is when they Miles Gendall reaches out to him, ex Green Beret, that is uh, head of his security force, to let him know that Nolan Sorrento has escaped. Uh. And leaves us with the question of who's helping him. And why? Now, that was not the question that I had when I got to this point. Up to this point, my thinking was uh, Og is competing. But then Sorrento just being able to walk out of jail. uh, What were you thinking at this point? I was thinking, why, oh, why, oh, why is Sorrento going to be part of this book like this? Uh, You know, 
initially my thought was, did things just go from bad to worse? I mean, they obviously did. But, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, Og's up to this. Og is pushing this, right? And, I, you know, my first thought was, who, who has the technological power? Og does, of anyone. He has that kind of power over the Oasis. Who's to say he couldn't leverage that kind of power elsewhere? And why would Og break Sorrento out of jail? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It didn't make any fucking sense. Like, I was like, does he need a strong man? Does he need somebody who knows the inside of the Oasis better than he does? Which, granted, maybe he didn't, but... it. I don't know. Like, does he need a henchman that would be willing to to do what needed to be done? You know, did Og really get dark and he needed kind of a a technological assassin and Sorrento would be more than willing? Probably. I, I I was just very disappointed that this was a plot line in this book. What, with Nolan Sorrento escaping? Yeah. It, it just, it, in some ways, it's appropriate because it just feels like it's a plot line out of some 80s TV show or movie. <laughs> okay. Right, right. But I, don't, I was just hoping that that wasn't going to happen because it was like, all right, let's, let's, do some, let's do something different. Let's not have Nolan Sorrento be the, the big bad. And yeah, I. Well, again, I it don't was think disappointing, it... but like I can move past it. Was you it know? disappointing in the sense of that that like you were like, oh, really? That's that's how we're going to write this shit in, or was it disappointing in the sense of, oh, god, this is going to get bad? I, I can I'll, I'll read you my notes that I took right after I finished this chapter back in November. Well, just tell me the notes. Tell tell I, me. I said Sorrento escaped from prison. Really? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, all right. I get that. That that tells me everything I need to know. So. And I did a little research on on the name Miles Gindel, and oh, uh, and it turns oh, turns oh. out turns out it's kind of interesting because you kind of wonder where the authors get these names from. And uh, in looking around, there's a website called the Cabalarian Philosophy website, and it also defines kind of like what names mean to Ooh. kind of give you some insight into the kind of the character that this is. Because let's say it's he's Green Beret. Uh, or was Green Beret and, and now is in charge of the security force. So in reading this, it says, uh, if your name is Gindel, your name of Gindel has given you energy, drive, and ambition, but also an almost excessively strong-willed and independent nature. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's very – and even if, even if this is not how this name came to be, it seems to be in step with the immediate way that this character was drawn into the story. Agree, yeah. It also sounds a little bit like Gandalf. It does, kind of. A little bit. A little bit. So they go and review the video. Even though that was wiped, they were able to get backups. And we're seeing that that Nolan's cell opens and he walks out. And then he walks up to every cell and he just swipes his hand through the air and walks through. And, and what on, does this remind you of? What? 
Parzival's escape from IOI. Kind uh, you know what? I hadn't just really waltzed right out the front door. Yeah, but he didn't like swipe. But he did but waltz remember, right out the front remember, door though. He did this to the oh, camera. Yeah. He, he fucking did do that to the camera. Whereas, he, but he, it's interesting because he could have done like an homage to that knowing that Parcival oh, would probably be looking. How, how sweet would it have been if he did the exact <laughs> same motion into the cameras? That would have been great. But instead he gives a bow and then gets in the car and goes because he knows they're watching him and, uh, and he's, he's just reveling in it. But it's the fact that a car was sent to pick him up, an automated car, self-driving car was sent to pick him up, that he was able to walk out. And then, and then this is the part that, that really piqued the sus in me. When they went to go look at the Oasis logs, they were gone. <gasps> well, Gasp. and he says, that's impossible. So right off the bat, you're like, this is an inside job. And at this point, I was solidified in the fact that Og had broken Sorrento out. You know, at this point, that's how I was sold. I was like, Og must have broken him out. Og is the only one with potentially the power and know-how to go in and do this that we knew of. Right? So mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, Og's gone full dark. You know, that, he's... That he's Go ahead. That is that's not where my head was going at the end of this chapter. The first time around, I really? honestly know what because no, it, because we we go on and Og starts to show up on the board. He hits the board with the first crystal, and Wade's even like, "Holy shit, Og's competing with me now!" Like it solidifies the fact that Og is is the one that's responsible for this. And then he gets the second shard, and that's when. Wade's like, oh shit, you know, we gotta we gotta strap in, get geared up, we gotta hit the chair, we gotta get into the oasis. And it was at this point, at the end of the chapter, where shit started to be a little bit weird, where we started to pay attention to some facts that we didn't need to know, or at least I didn't think we needed to know. That's when he they, he talks about a, a firmware update. And I was like, is this a Chekhov's gun? Does it matter to tell us that this is a firmware update? You know, like, or is it just circumstantial that it's just, oh, and by the way, firmware update. And like, is that going to play in? And then it tells us about the time counting down in the corner of his view. And I'm like, we're spending an awfully large amount of time getting into the details of the HUD that otherwise we would not be getting into every time he logs in. And that's when that's when he logs in and he's informed that there's a serious stability issue. Oh shit, oh shit. And he oh says, shit. well what else could go wrong? Everything. But let's let's back up though. Let's back that, up because I'm sure yeah, we've yes. missed a few things. Perhaps. So um, Og's account log was blank. Right. He went in and checked Og's. But of course, you know, Og has the power not to be tracked. We know that Og is potentially an heir. I I really wouldn't have made this connection before. But if anyone else could get the shard, it would be Og, which is interesting because if Halliday set the system up for somebody to get this, why would he have wanted Parzival to be able to get it if he thought that Og should be the one to get it? And why would he have allowed Og to get it 
if he really intended Parsifal to get it. Like there are two very distinctly different users with two very different intentions. Yeah, it, it it's a very it, it's a weird loophole to the to the shard riddle. Right. Because why like why wouldn't it just be Parzival? You know, and like why would he think that you know, I mean, he knew that Og had pretty much divested himself completely from the Oasis game and GSS. So, like, why bother? He's not going to play the game. So, unless there's something extra in his head, or, you know, for this... For, I don't, know, I, I, I don't want to make certain speculations just because it, it could be a tip-off to later. Right. Well, it dawned on me when I was reading this here for that first off, I think before I had some suspicion that maybe Og had set this up or that maybe Kira in some way had set this up. But in reading this and reading the, the quote here, you know, for each fragment, my error must pay a toll. It's painfully obvious that Halliday set this up because Halliday is, is describing his heir and that's there's only one person that could be speaking from that position and that could have set up the access to those crystals, which again, sends me back to why would he have done that? Would it have been a situation where possibly Parzival or someone would not have gotten the egg before the crystals would have been found? Or is it possible that, that the wrong heir could, could have taken over like it's a potential backup or a failsafe? to overtaking over in the event that the wrong person got a hold of the Oasis, you know, like, like Og would be that backup heir. And if something went wrong, there was a backdoor for Og to potentially get it, but also uh, potentially a means for the person who took over the Oasis to get it as well. So a, a second sort of override, an additional set of votes, if you will, for, for who's allowed to take over the business. I, I don't know. I mean, I've got a lot of questions it, at this point. It it, it does kind of make you wonder, like, why even make this a contest? You know, like, because based on what we know about the riddle at this point, it's like you're trying to, whatever the riddle says about, you know, making the siren whole. Right. It's like, it's not like it's saying, ah, what whoever gets this is going to be, you know, the actual owner of this company. You know, it's not anything like that. It's it's more like I don't know. It, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a, it's not as high stakes as the first contest. So I don't know. Why overcomplicate it? I, well, I'm I saying mean, up until now, like the, there's no reason to believe that it's the stakes are as high as the original contest. You're not inherit. It's not going to be that whoever wins is going to inherit the company. It's like the company's already been bequeathed to the winner of the first contest. Yeah, like so, what more could a person want? And and why even introduce the threat, right? Why, why even it's a It's a contest it? to torture the air. That's what it's doing. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, at, this, it's, at this point, I, I didn't understand. The, I, I still don't understand necessarily the point. And, and and as I mentioned, you know, even reading ahead a little bit, I've still got a ton of questions. There's still a number of things that don't quite make sense. But come the end of this chapter, I was very firmly seated in the fact that Og had gone dark, 
that he'd no. let Nolan Sorrento out and that he was no. the only one with the power to do what he needed to do. And that the only thing that really stood out was that everything started rolling into place at 7 p.m., which is in line with the seven shards and the number seven everywhere we look. And I wasn't sure if that was the a character within the book implanting that in a theme sort of way, or if that was just uh, Ernest Klein's way of keeping the theme within the book alive. Like I, I really didn't know whether or not it was the author or something within the book. Well, I can tell you where my head was at the end of this chapter. Uh, now that we're there, it was one much. word. Really? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where was your head? So the last notes I put on this chapter are is the following: Is all this shit hitting the fan real? Are we being war games by the Whopper? Ooh. What what led you what led you to believe that maybe this was a simulation in the simulation? Not that it was a simulation in the simulation, but like maybe it was all a ruse. That there was somebody orchestrating it that was beyond like you know, something akin to the whopper, say like making its own rules and an intelligence within the machine. Yeah, was was playing the game the way it thought the game needed to be played. So so something was asleep in in the system and that when triggered all of these thing, things all of these events start to click into place and and as they were intended to and Essentially, it, yeah. such as you know basically telling the whopper let's play a game and it's like cool let's let's play thermal nuclear war global thermal global nuclear. thermal nuclear war and then all that shit starts to click into place in order to accommodate the game. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, my head was definitely not there, but I could totally see that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a little while, so like I don't remember everything else I was thinking about that, but the whole are we being war games by the Whopper thing was... That was, was that's like, reasonable. That's that a was, reasonable that, thought. That's where I... I think part of it was that like... I couldn't even conceive of Og being the villain because mm. I just I like Og as a character. It just seems like like he doesn't have it in him. So I, I just wasn't ever going to get there. Well, my second my second suspicion was Faisal, high enough on the, up on the power tree, uh, sort of a secondary man that's in control and really just you know getting signatures. And then with those signatures doing what he wants, this sort of this sort of power man that's in the shadows, always smiling. You know, I've always been kind of suspicious of Faisal's character. But in this situation, well, you know, even in this kind of situation, he could play off the I don't know what's going on kind of bit. He he was kind of like my fallback dude. He is perfectly positioned to basically, you know, be the virus from within. Yeah, it's a, it's a good call. And it could possibly be that Faisal is in such a position of power and yet doesn't have the technical know-how and would then forcibly – first off, he could be threatened by by the fact that Parzival collected the shard and then he potentially would, you know, in my mind, kick off the process of, of going and kidnapping Og and letting Nolan Sorrento out. And then he would have – 
he does have the access code to his bots. Yeah, this is true. And that he would then be able to put this into play. But would he have, if he didn't have the technical knowledge, if he really needed Nolan, Sorrento, and Og, how would he have had the access to do everything that occurred here? Because that's like super user type shit. That's like, you know, a hacker backdoor kind of stuff, right? That he, he wouldn't need Nolan Sorrento, probably wouldn't need Og. Well, might need Og, but but still, you know, uh, why would he need Nolan Sorrento if he had all that power and access? Other than maybe to be a henchman? I, I don't know. But Faisal definitely was kind of like on my suspicion list. But I don't I don't even think like none of the none of the high five was even in mind. No. Not even Samantha, who's really been kind of like opposed to stuff and really also has has a reason, right? A reason to potentially prevent him from going any further with this. You know, she's kind of been against their efforts all along. So, you know, she could have, but I don't think any of the high five even have that kind of power. You know, no, because they don't have the level like if the stuff that was happening, like the logs being erased was beyond Parzival's ability. Right. Then it's certainly beyond theirs, because as far as we know, they don't have the same capacity that he does. Right. So they they were kind of not on my list of suspects. All right. So that kind of takes us to the end of the chapter. We're just in that what else could go wrong. And as it turns out. Everything could yeah. go wrong, and that's where it leaves us hanging. And it and 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 it was at this point that it just kept rolling for me. Well, I, I did want to go through a few things that I kind of noticed in the chapter. Okay, fire um, the login sequence. Is, he when he's logging in and the new firmware, whatever, mm-hmm. he says it takes him two minutes and twenty seven seconds, which is a long. That feels long. If you had to watch your laptop boot up for two minutes and 27 seconds, you might be a little annoyed, right? It takes my but desktop 15 minutes, dude. 15 minutes? Oh, easily. Get a, get a new one. But anyway, so where I was headed with that was that's 147 seconds. 14 divided by two is seven. Seven, seven, seven. seven. <laughs> but... but so I, 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 Is that where I, you're I, going with that? That was part of it. But the next okay. part of it was that 147 is the age of Scotty when he rematerializes on the Starship Enterprise in the, in the TNG episode Relics. Uh-huh. I remember that. That's where they go and find the Dyson Sphere. So is it related? Probably not. I don't know. I, I haven't seen that episode in a while. I probably should it's have tried a, to rewatch it. But It's an interesting tangent. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's like he like puts himself into the transporter, but doesn't have him. Doesn't have himself rematerialized. Like he's just kind of in transporter coma until they find him, which was. He's in the buffers. But but he's 147 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, 147. Is it the same thing? Is it Italian? Probably not. But that was what I found, and I was looking up that number because that's what we do around here. Right, right. I, I wouldn't put a master um, in his client to pull that shit out like that. The, I mean, the other thing you could pull out of that was two minutes, 27 seconds. There was a TV show in the 80s, 227. I don't, was there? Really? What? Yeah. What was this show? 
I, uh, what was it? I can't even tell you what the premise was, but there definitely was a, like, like look it up. There was a, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. I've actually seen the show. I just had no idea it was called 227. Yeah. I think that's like the, the address number of the house they're living at. Right, 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 right. I remember that I watched this show. I did I too. Was, and I just had no idea it was called 227. That's just yeah, so odd. Like, I don't really remember much, but I remember the actress, Jack Hay. Mm-hmm. I remember her because she was always this kind of wacky personality. A little over the top, a little drama. A little over the top, yeah. But yeah, and I, but I hadn't seen it in so long. I didn't even realize that like it takes place in Washington, D.C., which is, of course, right near where I live now. But yeah, 227. All right. That's interesting. What else did you find? Let's see. I, I mentioned Sorrento, or I wrote down that Sorrento's Prison Escape kind of sounds like Kingpin from the Daredevil uh, TV show slash comics was behind it. Just like there's like some somebody like watching over, like, you know, basically moving all the chess pieces in your favor. Right, right. So immediately you were, why, why, when you had that feeling and you knew it wasn't Sorrento because he wouldn't have had the access, really, why wouldn't you have thought that Og was the kingpin? Because, I, like I said, I, I, I can't think of that, I can't think of Og being, no. Yeah, the bad guy? I was asking myself, it, does this mean that this is going to spark conspiracy theories around him and that maybe he was the one who kidnapped Og? Oh, um, like, like I get what you're saying. So, uh, you know, that is a good point. So if I was a security chief, you know, my first thought would be who's powerful enough to pull this off? Who has the technical know-how to pull this off? And that might place Parzival pretty high on the list. I mean, he can't prove it. He can't prove that he, you know, was logged in or not, or what he was doing. I'm a little surprised that the story didn't pull him into a room and say, you own the Oasis. You know, know, where were you at this time? I mean, I I imagine they could prove it if he was in the Oasis. They're letting him go around in a a bot at, at the crime scene. Right. Rather than him being the person being questioned. Yeah. That's um, also suspicious. That is, I mean, I granted, like, Miles works for him, but then you would expect maybe, like, the police that are investigating. Weird. I mean, who's investigating? Is it the police or is it, or is it the, is it the Oasis or, or? Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, who is the, who is GSS to say, like, here? I meant GSS. So GSS is the one doing the, the investigation? They, I mean, they apparently have a security detail there, which is surprising because Og's not part of that company anymore. Well, okay. Well, it, it, okay. It, it is GSS that's, that's checking it out. Uh, and it could be that, like, the police don't consider somebody missing except, you know, for a period of time. That maybe GSS would would be the first one to respond because this would be highly unusual for them. Whereas to the police, it'd be like, call us in 24 hours. I know that's actually a good point because like twenty four hours hadn't elapsed. I don't think it had been barely been barely twelve hours since the system went down. Yeah, maybe only GSS would might be the only ones that consider this to be unusual. Like the police yeah. might just simply go, "Look, he left town, and he didn't want you to know. He just turned his shit off." 
call, yeah, call us at 7 p.m. when it's been 24 hours, then we'll talk. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, then that would make sense to allow him to kind of peruse the estate. Because it is GSS. He, he, yeah, he owns the security details. So of course, they're going to let him walk around and give him the thumbs up. Okay, well, that makes at least a little bit more sense. If you can't say anything else, you can certainly say that this chapter is a springboard for a lot more action in this book. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't regret anything. <laughs> I regret nothing! <laughs> and it has been absolutely painful not to continue listening. I'll tell you what I do regret. I regret, after us chatting about it now, not immediately going and listening to the next chapter. Because I'm not going to have the pleasure of doing the next chapter for a couple of podcasts now. And that's going to drive me flipping nuts. So, anyways... I think we should wrap up. I think we've I think we've drilled into it, I and mean, we've we've sucked this rock of all the blood. Oh, you saying? Oh, you can't start reading the next chapter because you've already read the next chapter, and you can't go beyond where you left off when you right, overran. Right. I don't have the excitement of reading the next chapter because I already have. You can read the you know, next, the next chapter again. You can, you can read chapter nine again. I listen to each chapter half a dozen to a dozen times before I do an episode. Before we sit down and talk about it. I, yeah, I reached the end of this chapter and I and I literally said, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and I'm going to just ignore the fact that you just said chapter nine. I, in my will, it, it, it might very well be that as I said that they said chapter nine and kept going, and I just didn't hear it. That's the story. Ignored uh, it, didn't hear it, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, whatever, whatever. This was this is my favorite chapter so far. I can't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, well, you know, at least so far as to this point. Yeah, it did absolutely. And it took eight chapters to get to this place. So with that said, uh, we'll wrap up. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. We'll catch you in the next chapter on the next episode. See ya. See ya. See ya.